Welcome to Walk With Me, a ministry of Cornerstone Church. Hi, my name's Tori and I'll be your host. Sometimes when I want to make a new friend, I'll say, come walk with me, and we'll talk. My goal for this podcast is that we as women would walk together and enjoy sweet community in Christ. Today on the podcast, I have my husband Brent again, and we're going to discuss some things together about how we raised our kids and gave them a solid theological foundation. So by God's grace, all four of our kids are on a good path and we made lots of mistakes, of course, but um, God chose to bless our efforts and our intentionality and we were pretty purposeful with our kids' theological training and so I think that has something to do with it. So Brent, you're pretty quiet. You wanna say hello? Well, hi, but let's give them a little bit of background. Okay. And so, um, we're relatively recent empty nesters, mm-hmm. and so all four of our kids are out of the house. Right. And they're 26, 24, 22, and 20. Right. And so these last couple of years, we've had a little bit of a chance to reflect mm-hmm. on, you know, having our kids gone and what decisions they're doing a good job with and what decisions Mm -hmm. they're not doing a good job with. And now we have a granddaughter. We do. And we're watching our son and daughter raise up their little girl. So that's really fun. Yeah. But she's 7,000 miles away. She's a long ways away. But she'll be here pretty soon to visit. Yeah. Two weeks. Yes. So let's talk about some practical things that we did when our kids were really little to help them develop a Godward focus. Do you have anything? Do you remember that? I have no idea. So yeah. you should remember it more because you got a lot more sleep. Right. I was. I didn't really start parenting much until they were older. Till they were a kid. Yeah. yeah. Well, I know some things that I did with them, and you did too, as babies and toddlers. I um, did. Mm-hmm, you did. I remember. So we had a like. I remember a really um, very basic Bible that we would read, even to Luke when he was a toddler. And just had pictures, and so we would read that to I'm him sure at bedtime. The first words out of their mouth were spiritual. Um, no, Luke's was uh, something about where's the puppy. Mm-hmm. That was his first full phrase. So um, yeah, so we prayed with them when they didn't even know what that was. We made them pray at meals. Yeah. Even as babies, um, we had a lot of. You used to sing to all of them. Um, the what did you sing to them at bedtime? Living for Living Jesus. Living for Jesus. It's a song that I learned in a group called Cadets when I was a boy. Uh-huh. And so it's one of the few songs I can <laughs> sing out loud. So you sing it so much, every one of our children knows it by heart. Right. Yeah. Living for mm-hmm. Jesus. It goes like that. Wow. I'm yeah. impressed that you would do that for everyone. Uh-huh. Very good. Yeah. It's an excellent, very the- theologically accurate song. We should um, maybe link, if we can find on online, link it to this podcast because it's fantastic. Um, so those are the things we did just in our own lives. We tried to focus our children's um, attention, what they had then on um, who God was and his character. And you just simply just kind of bring up the ideas when they're babies and toddlers. Um, preschool. Um, I think that's kind of when we started some sort of family worship. It wasn't super intentional, but we would try to read a Bible story after supper and then usually sing a song, which was your favorite part, I think. Right. We, yeah. and I, we probably, all the kids were noisy. And right. And it was maybe messy. five minutes total. Yeah. And then we would pray. 
and we prayed before the meal. And so that was just what we could do then because the children were very, very um, young. I know when they were young and couldn't read, I put signs in their bathroom like to remind them to brush their teeth and to remind them to um, put their clothes away. And then I would say something like, and thank God for the nice day and put a sunshine. And so we just tried to direct their thoughts towards who God was and what he had given them to make them grateful. Can you tell the story about how Tess would used to pray before she went to bed? Oh yeah. So all of our kids, we would sit with them. Um, either Brent or I would put them to bed and we would talk about their day and pray with them. Um, and I usually wanted Brent to put Tess to bed because it took a really long time. And do you remember why it took so long? Yeah. So she would, uh, we lived in a little development with lots of kids, and she would pray for, by name, each one of the children. Um, no, in the, the pets. And, and the pets. No, not the children, just the pets. Just the pets. She would pay for all the pets every night, by name, very specifically. Yes. And there were lots of pets. Yes. Yeah. And she lots would go through them. Pets. Would she pray a specific thing for all the pets? Oh, yes. So maybe that would be the takeaway. Um, <laughs> don't let so, your kids pray for pets no so oh. you know teach your children to pray by praying uh -huh. for animals oh maybe would that I be, do remember listening would that be to theologically sound um it would be okay but I do remember to, to Luke praying when he was maybe two or three over the baby monitor and he said dear Jesus help me to sleep all night and please help my legs not to fall off all night long that's a good prayer yeah, so we didn't know why he was praying that, but we thought it was funny. So when they got to school age, um, I remember sitting with them on the steps while we waited for, we had a carpool, while we waited for the neighbor to pick them up, and we would do devotions before mm. school. And we would just go through like a, a daily devotional thing um, by folks on the family or something that we found that was that was good. I thought you always did a good job with... Uh... Scripture memory. And yeah, we did with, scripture memory. Yeah, and with um, you were always working on a verse or something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. um, or right before school, if you mm -hmm. had a few minutes before the yeah. car would come, you would always try to do something purposeful. Yeah. yeah, and we always did something. We'll get to vacations, but when we went on vacation, we almost always memorized yeah. some scripture together or had some sort of devotion. And yeah, I kind of spearheaded that. That was kind of my thing. Why don't you talk about... Um, the way we did family breakfast as they got older. Yeah. So this was like school age, I would say, older elementary well, to high school. Let, let's talk about meal time. In general? And, yeah, meal time and family breakfast. Okay. And I, Tori has a whole list of notes here, and so my job is to get them scrambled up. Uh -huh. And so to sure. not. I'm not, okay. Yeah, not do that. I'm okay order. with that. Well, we felt meal time in general was a really um, important time. And not just for spiritual formation, but just a time to be with a family. Establish and, a family culture. Yeah. And so, you know, just to uh, interact with the kids about how they were doing. And so many things would come out. And oftentimes, one of the kids would say something about some, you know, something one of the other kids did that mm -hmm. we didn't know about. Or about a teacher at school, something and, like but that. But as they started to get into activities, um, you know, supper every night was difficult. And so we always had late start um, here on Wednesdays. Mm -hmm. and as so, they got into middle school and high school. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so we just made it a habit to have family breakfast every Wednesday. And we had to fight pretty hard for it because mm -hmm. 
you know, other people would try to take that Wednesdays. Wednesday morning as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, you would make um, a breakfast. Mm-hmm. And, sit down breakfast. And mm-hmm. I would prepare a lesson. Yeah, um, and tell us what that looked like. Tell yeah. what are the what are some of the things we went through? It was uh, maybe you could help remind me some of the things. I we know went that we um, we did a catechism. Yeah, we should talk about catechism. Can we can we save catechism? Okay, for well, the catechism its own little thing. So we did a catechism with the kids, and that kind of helped them form their thoughts correctly about who God was. Well, I was hoping to save catechism for later. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. I just no. wanted to give them a little blow. Uh, and then we sometimes would go through a book. I know we went through. Um, the C.S. Lewis uh, one about Wormwood. What is that? Yeah. And oftentimes, I would just, something I was learning or something mm-hmm. I was reading in the Bible, mm-hmm. and uh, really, I would read it, and I would ask kids questions mm-hmm. about it. That's, we read through some books together. Yeah. Um, and I, my encouragement for parents, I mean, depending on the age of your kids, it doesn't have to be that big of a deal. And mm-hmm. so... Just if you're reading uh, something in the Bible, read that for your family and uh-huh. then ask, Talk about it. ask questions that don't necessarily have a right or wrong answer uh-huh. and help, help your kids to interact as a family around Scripture. And it doesn't have to be that big of a deal, but... Um, but you do have to think about it and be intentional because I know we've had, we had times where we learned the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. We had times where we learned the Lord's Prayer. Yep, we had absolutely. times where we went through the Proverbs. Why are these important? Yep. So we couldn't just willy-nilly just kind of, you know, fly by the seat of our pants. And we had to be careful, too. Our youngest, Cole, um, always felt a little bit bad that he couldn't answer the questions as well as the other kids. Mm-hmm. And so he would oftentimes kind of check out during mm-hmm. the process because mm-hmm. he didn't feel yeah. like he was as... Theologically smart as some of the other kids. Because he was younger, yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. And so we had to encourage him. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and you've got to uh, strike a pretty good balance on that because if you you kind of shove it in their face, yeah. they really get turned off. Yeah. But if you make it appealing, yeah, it has and to be something the family does. It has to be interesting. It has to be interesting. Yeah. yeah. If we did something, we found that they weren't really getting into it. Like the screw tape letters this is the book I was trying to think of it. Yeah. We tried to do the original screw tape letters, but the reading was really uh, hard was for the kids. Too, it was too dense. So we had to actually read it with them and kind of make it easier to understand. Yeah, I would. I mean, this is a little preview. Um, I would say one of the most important skills for parents um, to master is the ability to ask an engaging question. Mm-hmm. And you were really good at that. So if you can ask... Even with non-spiritual questions, yeah. you were really, really good about that. If you can ask a question that is not a yes or no question, mm-hmm. that engages their mind, and then you have the ability to talk about it, that has the ability to engage the whole family. And it was good because you didn't ever like lead them like this is the right answer. They had to right. figure out like their own opinion. Sometimes you would ask them about uh, current events. Sometimes I would mislead them. Yes, sometimes you would mislead them. And I would try to give them an answer that was incorrect mm-hmm. um, so that I could correct them. Right. Yeah. And they actually really liked those. Mostly we did this after supper, just our normal kind of questioning. And you would, you would do like they would beg to do question night. Right. And sometimes it was just math. 
Right. So we do history. Yeah, so we do question night, and then we'd pick a topic, and we would do current events, or we would do math, or we would do history, mm-hmm. or we would do, I don't know what we would do. Yeah, so I don't want parents to think that um, theologically grounding your kids is all about asking them, like, spiritual Christian questions. I want them to know that theologically grounding your kids means that your faith and your belief should permeate everything you talk about. And so it shouldn't just be, this is our faith and this is our life. It should be all interwoven. And, and more importantly, um, and we're going broad against your um, big questions, but I'm, I, only yeah. have, I only have three items on yeah. my list. Mm-hmm. And so okay. I'm going to Go hit my one. I'm good. So good um, in, in addition to asking questions, mm-hmm. um, I think the second thing is you should use every opportunity to give your children the proper view of God. Hmm. And um, so so let me give you an example. Okay. Let's say you and I were in a fight and mm-hmm. I yelled at you. Mm-hmm. And then um, the fight is over, the kids heard it, and the right response would be, you know what, I'm a sinner just like you're a sinner, and mm-hmm. I'm so grateful that God saved me from my sins. And so I yelled at your mom and I shouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. And I struggle with sin just the way you do. Mm-hmm. Or if we're out and we see an interesting animal or a sunset or what, whatever it is that might capture the kid's um, imagination, you say, oh, isn't it so cool that God created this world so complex and so interwoven and so you know beautiful or consistent uh-huh. or whatever it is because um, it is so hard in a culture where there's so many things shiny that are, things yeah that are, that are you know uh, a video that's why we that's yeah. why we chose to take our kids on backpacking vacations right. out in the wilderness and when we were there we taught them Psalm 19 which says the heavens declare the glory of God yep. the skies proclaim the work of His hands day after day they pour forth speech and on and on, so that when they looked at the sky, that would be the first thing that popped into their memory because we wanted them to know this world is about God and it's only about God and everything else is extra. And so, yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, somebody spent thousands of hours to create a video game that would capture a 12-year-old boy's hmm. affections. And, you know, our kids, just like any other kids, uh, they were captured by video games or mm-hmm. whatever. And so what... The job as a parent is to become captured by the creator, Hmm. not by the created things. And to be captured by how great God is. Mm -hmm. And so if you So our job as a parent is to be very enthralled with the big God. Absolutely. But then to communicate that enthrallment. Mm -hmm. And so whenever you see something beautiful or sinful Mm -hmm. or then relate it back to somehow the character of God. And why is sin bad? Well, sin is bad because that's not obeying God and it's against what he wants for us. So Everything goes back to God. Right. And so uh, discipline, you know. So why, do, why do we discipline you, you? You don't discipline a child because you're mad. Or you you're inconvenienced. Or you're inconvenienced. But you discipline a child because you're trying to point that child towards God. Mm-hmm. You're trying to have that child understand how sin separates right. him from God and that God disciplines one And it loves. makes obedience important, not just kind of an extra thing. They understand the reason for obedience. 
Yes. It's not because you're kind of bothering mom and dad. It's not because you're too loud. It's not because that's um, annoying. It's because it, it angers and is is separates you from a holy God. Yeah, work. You know, and one of the things that was a big deal to me um, was having a well-mown... Mown? Mode. Mode. Thank you. Uh-huh. And so words are kind of tough yeah, for me. That's okay. why the podcast thing. Yeah. So, so I can edit it. Right. I really want to say moan. Yeah, well, and so, but that's, you know, that's probably not good. Right. Yeah. And so a well-mowed yes. yard. Yes. And so, um, but, you know, we worked a lot as a family and I tried to communicate, you know, hey, God is a worker. He created, he's a God of order. He's a God of order. He created us to be workers. Uh-huh. And God, hard work is a godly thing. Uh-huh. And it pleases so, him. Yeah, and it, and it pleases him. And when a lawn is well mowed, do you, uh-huh. do you see how I got yeah, it? Yeah, right good. That time? Second time. Then um, God smiles. I mean, uh-huh. I, I really believe that on a, on a job that's well done. And so, but you have that ability to. You say, you know, so I like a lawn that looks nice, but that's pleasing to God. Yeah, everything's spiritual, actually. Yeah. Everything's spiritual. And your uh, job washing the dishes well, that is inherently pleasing to God because he he put that work in front of you and you did it to the glory of him. So that's wonderful and it pleases him, makes him smile. And when a child, as they always will, uh, do a bad job of cleaning the kitchen or Mm -hmm. a bad job of of cleaning up their toys or a bad job of mowing the lawn, then you view it as an opportunity. So to say, oh, they don't understand their place in the world. They don't understand why it's important. They don't understand why it's important. They're on the throne of their life Uh and God is not on the throne. So it's a constant job of reordering. So every child wants to be the center of the universe. They want to be the center of the home. Uh They want to be in control of their own life and they want to do what they want to do. And so they, they would be lazy and Uh they would be right. Yeah. But yeah, you reference everything back to why is laziness bad? Why is hard work good? You reference everything back to you're here to bring glory to God. Yeah. And so they put themselves in the correct authority structure. I mean, we have to do the same things ourselves and that's why we do things like communion Oh, Jesus died for me. This is his body and blood. So we remind ourselves of the right story every time. When we see baptism, we say like, Oh, I'm buried with Christ through death, raised to walk in new life. So that reminds us that we have a spirit. We can walk in new life. Those liturgies help us to tell ourselves the true story. But children have to be told over and over and over what the true story is until they can grasp it themselves. Yeah. Yeah, because this world is shouting the untrue story at them. Right. And... If if you believe that they'll inherently understand this, what they're going to do is inherently understand the world's order. Mm-hmm. And well, the world's telling them lies, and everybody's believing them. So they, we have to reorient. Like That's exactly what our job is, reorienting them to the true story over and over and over again. And consistency is hard and exhausting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so let's go to, like, how did we make God? We're talking about some practical things, but how did... How did you and I make God a normal part of our everyday? I guess I can start because I would try to read my Bible regularly. And sometimes that was every day as the kids got older, probably not as consistently when the kids were younger. Um, 
but as I was reading, I would just try to observe. And so I would often just talk to them normally, like maybe taking them to school, like, oh, do you know what I read in the Bible this morning? It was all about like Elijah and he went up in the mountains and then these kids made fun of him and called him bald. And then he made, uh, he asked God to send a, like go a up, she, bald yeah, head. going up, you bald head, sent a she wolf to maul them. Or a, or a bear or something to maul them. She bear? She bear? Something like that. And so that, that wasn't is something that like to. Kind of. She bear? Well, I don't know. But not that that was like this spiritual lesson, but it was just kind of a funny thing. And so I would kind of say, like, oh, be careful, or a bear might maul yeah. you. You know, but it was just a way that we had so they would discuss with me something funny or interesting they read in the Bible. So it was just a really normal way of talking around here, I think. Yeah, you know, when kids are 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, they're really good at memorizing. Mm. Well, they're good at memorizing when they're even younger. Yeah, they're really good they're sponges. Um, at that. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, one of the things that uh, we did at family breakfast, uh-huh. we did at family supper, we did at night when we had time, is I went and just printed off a children's catechism. Yep. And I made everyone a folder and told them all to color on their folders and mm-hmm. to make it their own. Yep. And you see, when I was a boy, I was catechized. Uh-huh. And did I get that right? Yep, catechized. Catechized, look at that. Uh-huh. Yep. And, and so I always felt that I had a basic understanding of theology because of that. Because you had a framework, and so everything else yeah. you learned could be it's, put somewhere on the framework. Yeah, it's it, it was really basic. It's just like, who is God? What is sin? You know, And then you give them the answer that they need to answer. That's right. what catechism is. Yeah. You the give them is, the right answer. Yeah, you, you, you memorize the right answer to yeah. to the question. Yes, yeah, so we're going to link at the end of the podcast. We're going to link, um, if we can find this shorter, shorter. is that a Heidelberg? Or? So I just went and read it, and it seems even more old-fashioned than when we did it. Uh-huh. And so... Maybe link a newer one? Yeah, ours okay. was, it had yeah. to be 15 years mm-hmm. ago. Yeah, probably. Or better. Yeah. And it has a little bit, at the of time... The old English. Yeah, at the time I remember that I wish I could find a little more modern oh, version. And there are a lot of good ones. Yeah, I know Redeemer Church, uh, yeah. Tim Keller Church has done like new city catechisms or something. But like each one of them had it. And it, yep. had, it had 150 questions. Yep. I don't know if we... I think we got about half through. Yes. And at the time Cole couldn't read, and so we would do contests. And they would try to answer it. And he had memorized all of them because he couldn't read them. He couldn't read the question or right. the answer. I always asked him last yeah. because, you know, the other kids um, would be able to answer. Yeah. You know, he'd be able to kind of pair it back yeah. with what the other kids would say. Yeah. But but that was a really valuable thing because yep. then that would, again, you know, like it would talk about well, who does God save, mm-hmm. you know. And so it would lead us into a question, you know what? Some people are going to go to heaven mm-hmm. and some people are going to yeah. go to hell. Gives and, you great and, discussions. And why is that? Yeah. And that that's a you know, that's a very hard concept mm-hmm. for an eight year old yep. to understand yep. that, oh, you know, uh, some people are going to go to heaven and some people mm-hmm. are going to hell and what are the reasons for that? Mm-hmm. And it allows you to interact and through the catechism, you kind of learn about creation and sin yeah. and the fall. Yeah. Through the catechism, you learn about that. I mean, that's something you should be constantly talking about. Why are, Why do we sin? But 
until you understand who God is and what sin is and what your place is in the world and what God's character is like, it's hard to build on that with these greater theological right. concepts. And it's hard to be motivated yeah. to obey and yeah. do things yeah. in the correct way. Because you have to understand the character of God. Right, and you have to understand the true gospel. And so um, let's talk a little bit about discipline. Um, so let's say um, one of our kids disobeyed and like took something from their sibling and then we had to discipline them or they were really naughty and threw a fit um, and you know who I'm talking about, but we're not mm-hmm. going to mention her name. And um, and you had to take her out of a restaurant. So what? how do you discipline um, in a way that that showcases the gospel rather than losing control and getting really angry? Yeah. Well, I think number one is you always discipline for the benefit of the child and not the convenience of the parent. And so sometimes for me, what that looked like, the benefit of the child said, okay, so-and-so, you go stand in my room by my bed. I'll be there in five minutes. Oh, because you were, I was you angry, were angry. And I had to cool off. Yeah. And that made the discipline even worse because they had to look forward to it. Right. You know? Yeah. And then I had to cool off or I would be too angry. Yeah. And so lots of times I think we want obedient children for the wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. And we believe, which it is, we believe they're a poor reflection on us. Uh We're embarrassed by them. Um, You know, what parent doesn't love a sweet, obedient child? Right. And But, you know what I mean, we should want children that reflect. Jesus mm-hmm. and but it takes a lot of work because they're born sinners. Yes, just like we are, and so so we would discipline and we would talk about. Often we would go through like, what did you do? Yeah. What should you have done, and what are you going to do next time? Just to help them walk through because kids don't know how to think; they just go on instinct. Yeah. And so that yeah. helped them walk through the process. And then after we'd went through that, we would often like sit with them and just love them up and say, hey, you know, I'm going to love you no matter what you do, right? Yeah. But we need to bring glory to God. And that means we need to obey. I need to obey. You need to obey. If I don't make you obey, I'm not doing a good job as a mom and I'm sinning. I think obedience is an underrated discipline in, uh, as I look around, obedience isn't valued very much. Hmm. And... Uh, what we see, you know, things like freedom hmm. is valued and individualism is valued. And I think... Even rebel, you know, that yes. kind of is lifted up like rebellion. Yep. And and so every kid wants to be... Independent. Every kid wants to be unique and every mm-hmm. kid wants to be... But um, this kind of segues well into the last topic on my list. Yeah, but it also segues well into... They always knew that we were the authorities. Mm. They may have tried to butt up against yeah. that, but they never were the authority in our house. Yeah. You were always the, the primary authority. I was second. They knew that they were not top dog. Yeah. And that made a huge difference. Yeah. Because if you have a child-centric home, yeah. the kid becomes top dog. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we were never afraid to be the authority in our house. Right. Um, because you know what, when they're little kids, you really can't worry about them liking you so much because you mm-hmm. kind of do have to be a drill sergeant almost, mm-hmm. you know, and 
yeah, it'd be great if they liked me, but it was more important about their, it was more important for me to train their character. Yeah. And so sometimes they really didn't like me. Um, but, you know, kids are so resilient, and then the next day they love you. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so, so sometimes um, disciplining over and over and over was really hard, but I really think it pays off. Yeah. Huge dividends. But it's a slow it's process. It's a slow process. And so don't, uh, you kind of have to take the long view as a parent. Uh-huh. And it's really easy to get discouraged on day to day and week yeah. to week. But if you look month to month and year to year mm-hmm. and try to say, oh, you know, last year they didn't yeah. do this. This is better. Yeah. And that can be encouraging. To well, do look that. at your own sanctification. Yeah, it, it can takes be a slow. long time. Are you? You're talking specifically about my sanctification. I'm talking about right my now. own sanctification, right? Actually. That <laughs> yeah. you're talking about how slow well, and long it's taking. Talking about right. how we both struggle being right. sanctified because we're sinners. Do you think people will understand that was a joke? Uh, let's think? hope so. Okay. So, um, question before you get to your other topic. So we never treated, some people say like, well, I can't expect them to obey. They're not a believer yet. Yeah. Respond to that. Well. We so, never treated our kids as unbelievers. No. Ever. I, I always thought that was a bit silly. And um, and so I, I took seriously um, the idea of, you know, train up a child in the way that he should go and he will not depart from it. I took seriously the idea that, you know, God works through family and that I fully expected each one of my children to become a believer. Um, and I treated them as such. Uh-huh. And we so we're going to leave it to chance because right. Because, um, you can't expect a six-year-old, an eight-year-old to understand, you know what I mean, what it is to commit your life to Christ. So I just treated them as if they yeah, committed their life to Christ. Yeah, and we demonstrated what that looked like. They, they felt and that they were a Christian. Yeah. And they... Act that helped them to act, act. like they and were And then we Christian. kept turning their heart towards right. Jesus. And so we would say, oh, a Christ follower doesn't do right, that. Right, We wouldn't say... But we made a Christ follower, a Haverkamp wouldn't do that. A Christ follower, we kind of yeah. made that synonymous. Yeah. And so, but we wouldn't say, well, when you become yeah. a Christ follower, because we made the assumption yeah. that they were They all, all did make a profession of... That's they, a certain point in time. They did, but it was almost them looking back yeah. and saying, oh, And yes. it wasn't like a snap thing. It was almost like a gradual uh, awakening. Yeah. And, <clears throat> and so, um, and, and that's, I mean, there's, there's multiple ways to do it, but that's just how we did it. Mm-hmm. And we always treated every child as a believer. Mm-hmm. At, uh, like they didn't have a choice in the matter. And right. That like, always seemed like the most logical way to raise them. Yeah. So going back to the family name, how we used our family name a lot to establish a culture. Yeah. Um, and to kind of tell our kids how Haverkamps act. Yeah. Somewhere along, I read something or we watched something mm-hmm. or whatever, mm-hmm. and it talked about the idea of a family culture. Mm-hmm. By a, using your family name. And a family identity. Mm-hmm. And so early on, we worked hard 
to take what was true and good about our family mm -hmm. and try to instill that in them. Mm -hmm. And Give so, me an example practically. Well, we live on an acreage mm -hmm. and with a lot of trees, mm -hmm. and the trees always had sticks to pick up, mm -hmm. and that was always a family activity. Time to pick and up sticks. Time to pick up sticks. And the that kids, and mulching the trees. That was oh, a family yeah. activity. Too. And the, the kids wouldn't particularly enjoy that activity. But tell them they always got something at the end. Sure. Not that we were rewarding them because they did it, but because our family wanted to be a family and celebrate mm -hmm. when we got done so, our hard work. And so haver camps are hard workers. Mm -hmm. And so uh, mom and dad are hard workers mm -hmm. and we're hard workers. And the six of us all together are all going to go out and pick mm -hmm. up all the sticks until it's all done. Yep. And you were able to demonstrate what it was to yep. complete a job. And then when you're done, you'll say, look, haver camps are hard workers. Uh -huh. We cleaned all this and up. And we also Good job. did that with like, oh, haver camps, they don't cheat. Right. Or haver camps don't lie. Right. Our haver camps, they're really kind to animals. Those ha kind of things. After Cole threw the gerbil against the window multiple times. Right. Haver camps yes. don't make fun of their siblings. Yes. You, you know what I we mean? We used it a lot. In fact, we've passed that one on more than anything, I think, to people raising yeah. their kids. And so we created a culture or an identity that was, so it was intertwined with who they were. And it was intertwined with who God is. Mm -hmm. And so it was all wrapped up together. And so, you know, if you're Luke Havercamp, oh, I'm a hard worker. Mm -hmm. I respect my parents. Mm -hmm. I um, understand who God is. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so... It, I remember when Shay couldn't yeah. sleep and, and I would say like, Haver camps don't um, don't throw fits at night when they can't sleep, you know. Right. And so we even used it in that context. Right. So we would then we would try to, you know what I mean, include the whole family uh -huh. like that. Yep. So that they would say, oh, yeah, I don't do that. Mm -hmm. You're right. And so this is who I am. Yeah. And it gave them a real sense of who they were. I think right. it gave a real and, sense of self. And that's that whole idea about obedience versus, but yeah. Um, I think sometimes we, our expectations is that somehow mysteriously children will figure out who they are and no. how they should act. I think, you know, from zero to 06 or so, you are actually telling them how to think. Absolutely. And from six or seven till adulthood, you're showing them how to think for themselves. So you're you're kind of regulating their behavior for them until they are in maybe grade school. And after grade school till adulthood, then you're teaching them how to think for themselves to self-regulate. Yeah. And so your job as a parent changes. You cannot continue to discipline a teenager oh, like yeah, you discipline yeah. a three-year-old. That just creates rebellion. Oh, yeah. So it, it all changes when they become teenagers. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that. So um, as your kids get older, you have to teach them how to think. And thinking requires making decisions. Yeah. So Talk about how, like, especially um, one of our kids really struggled with decision making. And yeah. so how do you guide them into saying, like, hey, if you're following Jesus, he's going to guide your common sense that so you're going to make a good decision. How do, you, how do you do that? So your first 12 or 13 years or whatever it is, mm -hmm. you're imparting wisdom. Mm -hmm. you're, you're like You a, want to impart. Yep you know, knowledge. Mm -hmm. Well, then, you know, sometimes after that point, will you want to 
give them, you know, so we did a little deal on money, Mm -hmm. but you want to give them money to see how they're going to Mm -hmm. act about it. You're going to give them freedom Mm -hmm. to see how they're going to, and you need to stop over-regulating their life. And we weren't big on the whole, like, net nanny or even um, that kind of thing so much because we really wanted to be able to sit with our kids, train them to make good, solid decisions on value type things and then um kind of turn them loose you know because if you if you constantly put parameters to protect them without teaching them how to think they're going to go crazy when they're not under your yeah watch yeah we we tried to give them as much freedom as we thought they could handle and then even sometimes we would watch shows that maybe you know, I wouldn't have chosen, but we would watch them with them, talk them through it. Like, hey, why why is that uh, parent's relationship, why is that not good? Do you mean that show about the, the dance at the end? What oh, was the Footloose? Footloose. We thought that was really good until we showed it to our kids and we yeah, kept saying... It was awful. Oh, just, we want to fast forward this. Just fast, oh, we just really want you to see the last scene. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, but there were, there were times that we would watch a show, let's say, with um, people sleeping together when they're not married. Yeah. We would let them watch that and not oh, say, oh, oh, put your put a pillow over your eyes. Because we wanted to say, like, why why should they not be doing that? So we wanted them to think. And so not only would we do that, but we often read books as a family and talked about them. Yeah. About the yeah. characters in the books. Yeah. yeah. So the, the teenage years is about them exercising decision-making ability with you giving them guidance. Yes. Without say, you lording over the whole and, authority thing. But guiding them in the right yes. way. Still guiding your oh, coach. Yeah. You're coaching. Oh, and you're still the authority. You're still like, the authority. You're not going to let them do something stupid. Right. You're still the authority. And sometimes they are going to do stupid things. Yeah, but you need to let them do a few stupid things right. so that you can correct them. And right. that's so they say, hey, so, you know, your job is to take out the garbage. Mm-hmm. And when you do it like this, you're going to create a mess. And, mm-hmm. you know, and so, but you have to let them make the mess right. first. Right. I mean, you have, to, you have to give them responsibilities. We made all of our kids clean the rooms, or bathrooms, and then we uh, would inspect yeah. it afterwards. Yes. And if they didn't do a good job, we make them do it over. Inspections. Yeah. You can't expect what you, you can't expect what you don't inspect. Is what good you job. Yeah. yeah, good job. Okay, so, um, yeah, so your, your training <clears throat> method has to change from when they're children at home to as they get older and become adults themselves. You can't keep doing the same, the same things. So um, let's just talk about to kind of wrap things up. Did you have something else on your no, I'm list? Done. Okay. That's to all I wrap got. to wrap things up. Let's just talk about some things. Like people said, well, how did you spend time training your kids? Well, we spent a lot of time with our kids. Yeah, we for were, one thing. We went backpacking. And faith wasn't just like something that was extra just during family worship or or Wednesday morning family breakfast. It was kind of all woven throughout our whole family life and so we did a lot of we ate a meal together daily most of the or time. most of the time when they got to high school it was harder sometimes yep. we had to push supper back really late we really highly prioritized the family vacation yep and we did things even that were hard on our family vaca- vacations because sometimes your real character comes out when you're pushed mm-hmm. so we did some backpacking which is um a great way to create difficult um times but we found them to be really wonderful in the end and really valuable for our kids. Because you, 
basically spend every single waking moment together on those. Um, we chose to limit activities. We didn't let our kids do too many things. Yeah. Because if they did too many things, number one, we don't have time with them. Number two, they spend way too much time away from home and in the influence of things that probably aren't teaching them the true story. Yeah, we wanted to drive their life, not have their life right. drive them. And then we really encouraged um, them to bring their friends over. So we were the house where all the friends came to, and I loved that. Yeah. And so I think if you um, love your kids' friends, you're loving your kids. And I, I really enjoyed having the kids' friends over, and I really missed that part of having the kids home. Um, we brought them into our own hobbies. And so I had the kids run with me, and we did races, and that was fun. You you led them as they've gotten older into financial decisions and investments, which has been really valuable. Um, we tried to um, – you were always super excited about going to concerts and things like that. <laughs> Not really. And we tried to be really involved, though, in their school activities and know what they were doing. Um and so if we had to make one recommendation to a family just starting out who really wants to give their kids a big vision for God's glory, what would it be? Well, I think I already sort of gave it out. Yeah. Give it again. You know, um, I, I would say find God's glory in your every day everything mm -hmm. find it when you're uh driving to work mm -hmm. find it when you're frustrated mm -hmm. about something and not in a not in a pithy way but just yeah. a very real mm -hmm. way make god really big in their eyes yeah and in your eyes and so find it in the in the mundane mm -hmm. um it's all an opportunity to point them and their character towards God and away and from his themselves. Character. Yeah, away from themselves. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's excellent. So why don't you um, say a prayer, and then we'll link some of those um, things that we had spoken about to the end of our podcast. Okay. God, I think parents of today have a super special challenge, and. There's so much vying for children's attention. And God, I just pray that uh, you would allow them to lift you up, to draw you in, to grow you into the big and glorious God that you are. And I just want to pray for all these parents and encourage them today. Amen. Amen. Thanks for hanging out with me and talking about how we raised our kids um, with a good theological base. You're very welcome. Thanks for walking along with us today. I'd love to get to know you better, so let's walk again sometime, shall we?